Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, this is being recorded on Wednesday, uh, the eve of the start of the NFL season. Um, so we'll get into that for this week. And then also want to recap uh, the first week, or the first two weeks, I guess, 0-1 and one of college football. Uh, also, Michael K. Williams died on Monday. He was 54, so I'll get into that and some of his uh, prominent roles. And also... Uh, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 is in a couple days, or three days, so um, I'll we'll talk about that as well. And, um, you know, it's uh, I think it's important to remember and, um, you know, kind of talk about where you were that day and if you remember a lot of details of that day. I remember uh, a lot, which is kind of weird, I guess, but it was such a um, difficult thing to process uh at such a young age so uh we'll get into that as well and uh yeah i think i have some other stuff too but uh, we'll see as the as the podcast goes along so we had some big college football games scheduled uh didn't really turn out that way uh you had georgia and clemson uh this past weekend that were supposed to be big games uh or was supposed to be a big matchup georgia ended up winning 10 to 3 and it was just like a last uh field goal from Clemson in the fourth quarter to not get shut out I guess by 10 points. Uh yeah, I watched some of it. It was just it was boring the entire time pretty much. Uh missed Trevor Lawrence for sure. Uh playing for Clemson. Uh now they got that guy who he he filled in for Lawrence when he was injured. Uh DJ all way. I don't even want to try his last name yet. I haven't practiced it yet, but I will get better at that. But he's supposed to be like the next guy there. You know, he, I think he was a five-star recruit, has a big arm. Um, I think he also had a big NIL deal uh, recently, I thought I saw. But I don't know about you guys, but like the top of the top rankings, like top five football rankings in college, whenever they play, like I just don't get excited anymore for it. Like, I don't know, Georgia was ranked fifth and Clemson third, and then you had another ranked matchup, Alabama number one against uh, who they play, Miami, ranked 14th. They blew out Miami 44-13, and their next quarterback looks like he's going to be the best quarterback um, in that offense. And this is the same teams. You get Georgia, you get Alabama, you get Clemson, uh, you get Ohio State. You get Oklahoma, and then Ohio State and Oklahoma don't make it to championship, and then it's been like Clemson and um, and Alabama, and then you get some years you get Notre Dame. Uh, maybe you'll get them this year. They were uh, the ranked ninth this year. Uh, they did barely beat Florida State, forty-one thirty-eight. But the story of that game was uh, Mackenzie Milton. He used to play for UCF. Remember a couple of years ago, he had that just crazy like Alex Smith-like injury on the field and you know had multiple surgeries and you know almost amputated his leg uh he hadn't played in in like two and a half years and he's back at florida state came in filling in for the other quarterback um you know let it drive for them to score and kind of led this comeback and they ended up losing in overtime but um amazing to see him back uh playing college football again and yeah that's a great story um, you know, another another kind of funny story was LSU ranked 16th uh, playing UCLA. 
in Los Angeles. And, you know, UCLA has been down for a long time now. They hired Chip Kelly a few years ago. And it was supposed to be a big hire. Oh, we brought in Chip Kelly. You know, he was with the Eagles and the 49ers in the NFL. You know, he built that program in Oregon. And, you know, they've been terrible. You know, but he basically has reconstructed this whole program there with recruits and, and scholarship players and playbook and everything. And, um, you know, Ed Orgeron, uh, the head coach of LSU, was talking smack to some fans uh, before the game. At, uh, UCLA ended up beating uh, LSU 38-27. Uh, looks, I think that's the only bright spot for the Pac-12 so far. Uh, Pac-12 as a conference struggled. You know, Oregon barely beat Fresno State. You had Oregon State losing to Purdue. Uh, you had UC, USC being San Jose State, but they're supposed to beat them. Um, you had Washington losing, and then you had uh, Washington State. Uh, they also lost. Um, so not a good start for sure. You know, Washington State losing to Utah State uh, by three points. That's not a good look. Uh, you had Cal losing to Nevada. Not a good look. Um, and then Washington losing to Montana. Not a good look as well. Smaller schools and Washington falling out of the, the top 25. Um, and Stanford, they lost badly to uh, to Kansas State. They lost 24-7. to Now David, uh, David Shaw is is replacing his starting quarterback, bringing in, I think he's a senior. I forget. i got to look up his name. Uh, but, yeah, they, you know, Stanford, they haven't been good the last couple of years, but overall, it's supposed to be a, a well-run program, playing smart football. You know, they they should be able to win nine to ten games each year. You know, the last couple of years have been down, but this is not a good start for them at all. Um, I don't think this helps with uh, potential TV deals. You know, if you have a, a product that's bad, then you know people aren't going to want to spend more and more money to to get you know those rights to broadcast your games i tell you what though um oregon needs to beat ohio state in this next game i think they play on saturday that's a big game for the pac-12 in general um you know because if they if oregon beats ohio state you know ohio state i think they're ranked i want to say they're ranked third right now uh but they they look great their their new quarterback looks great um so if Oregon, you know, is able to at least keep it close, you know, make a game out of it, don't get blown out or embarrassed on, on national TV, then I think they'll be fine. Uh, the rest of the Pac-12, I think the only teams that may have a chance to, you know, make a run at this is probably UCLA, I guess, if they keep playing like that. Um, I need to see a couple more games because LSU isn't LSU of 2019. You know, they're going to be – they're probably gonna win seven games, maybe six games, because you know they did struggle last year. Um, I expect them to continue to struggle. Utah, they're probably gonna be pretty good this year. They're ranked twenty fourth right now. Arizona State showed some promise last season, looking good so far. We'll see what happens with their. They had a bunch of recruiting violations with COVID, and you know apparently everyone knew about it. Um, you know, uh, the AD knew about it, head coach, all these, everyone knew about it, and. Now they're just, you know, acting like nothing happened, but it was, there's some pretty serious accusations there. Um, you know, breaking protocol, having players visit when they were, weren't supposed to visit, flying them out, hiding them in the press box while uh, while reporters are around, just like shady shit like that.
Oh, yeah, I have it here. Uh, Ohio State is ranked third and Oregon's ranked 12th. But week two in college football, the biggest game outside of Oregon and Ohio State is probably Iowa and Iowa State, I guess. Uh, 10th ranked Iowa playing 9th ranked Iowa State. And then after that, everyone else is playing Cupcakes. Alabama's playing Mercer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that'll be fun for Mercer. And then after that, it's, yeah, it's pretty much ranked team versus unranked team. USC playing Stanford, but as we just found out, Stanford is not very good right now. Um, so, yeah, the main focus of, of week two in college football will be uh, Oregon and Ohio State. And then as far as the NFL goes, tomorrow is uh, the opener, the first game uh, between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. I always thought that they did the Thursday night game opener. I always thought they did like a rematch of the the Super Bowl matchup that they had the year before. So it would have been Chiefs and Buccaneers. I wonder why they didn't do that. Or I think there was there was one year in the past five years or so where they they changed it to starting to do like the AFC NFC matchup. Now this just seems kind of random. They just want it seems like a ratings grab where you get you get Tom Brady, Buccaneers defending champs and all that, and then you get the Cowboys, America's team. They were just on Hard Knocks, um, but yeah, that should be a good game. Um, I think it's in. Tampa, it's a home game for the Buccaneers, and I guess I really want to see how Dak looks, you know, after coming back from injury and then having this other shoulder injury. Injury, I guess I don't know. There, there, no one's being specific about it, uh, but yeah, I think the Cowboys offensively will be good. Depends on their offensive line. You know, they just lost uh, Zach Martin, who all the players with the Cowboys say that's their best offensive player. So it'll definitely affect uh, the running game for sure. And um, I think they'll be fine as far as pass protection. Uh, but I guess we'll see against uh, Buccaneers. Other notable matchups for week one, uh, the Jaguars and the Texans. That's going to be the worst game ever. Speaking of the Texans, uh, they are starting to Rod Taylor and not not starting uh, Deshaun Watson. Seems like the the game here is that they're they're in control because they have Deshaun Watson under contract and they have come out and already said it many times that they're not going to trade Deshaun Watson unless their asking price is met which is the the three first round picks and two second round picks I think and like a, a, a starter or something they don't want a starting quarterback though for some reason they don't want a starting quarterback in return they want draft picks so they want capital then they'll be able to draft a quarterback uh, with one of those first round picks. Um, so, yeah, they're just playing hardball. You know, Deshaun Watson has reiterated that he does not want to play for the Texans, even given his current uh, legal situation. And the Texans are like, all right, that's fine, but we're not going to trade you, though. So either you play for us or you don't play for anyone at all. And looks like he might not play for anyone at all for, at, I guess, probably a couple of years. I don't know, because right now they're, he's not going to get deposed for his his court situation for the 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 assaulting of the, the masseuse the masseuses or masseusai whatever is plural um for their accusations against him and um he's not gonna get deposed until february i read so i mean that's pretty much all of this season and that can't be he, 
the uh, the commissioner can't determine if he can play unless you know something happens out of that. And then if the Texans are just willingly not playing him, then they kind of have to wait out and see what happens with that that court case. So um, he's out this year for sure in February unless something changes with that where he gets to post sooner or there's like a, I don't know, there's some changes anyway with their, uh, with the court case. And then next year is probably the year that they trade him because, you know, people might get desperate and the asking price might go up or it might go down. because no one else making moves and they're not, you know, generating any interest at all. Uh, so that story won't end for another year and a half, at least I think. Um, but I guess the Texans are going forward with Terod Taylor. Their over-under was four. Just play it safe and go under. Uh, that's an easy one. Uh, the Jets and the Panthers. That's a, a revenge game for Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's going to light it up. He's going to score 45 points. The Panthers are going to drop 45 on on the Jets, and he's going to show the, uh, the New York Jet brass that, hey, you guys messed up. You know, I'm a real quarterback. I still believe Sam Darnold is a good quarterback, okay? I think it was a bad situation, bad um, front office, bad head coach, no help at all. Um, but, you know, all jokes aside, I do think um, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune into that game a little bit because I want to see him light up the, his former team. Uh, some other matchups I'm looking forward to. Seahawks and Colts, that's an interesting matchup for me. Um Carson Wentz is a full go for week one. And a lot of people are picking them to win the division. I'm picking the Titans. But I think if uh, Carson Wentz plays 13, 14 games, I think they can win win 10 games right there, 10, 11 games, easy. Um, especially with that division, you have four games against the Texans and the Jags, and you should win all four of those. And then you can probably split – with the Titans, so that's five wins right there, and you know you can try to you can take care of the rest after that. Um, Seahawks, you know they're they're trying to open things up for Russ this season, I believe, uh, trying to get him into that MVP race and you know spread the ball a little bit more. Um, so that's an interesting matchup, you know, because they they can make the playoffs. They won the division last year, so that's a good uh, matchup between two uh, playoff potential. I guess they're probably definitely making the playoffs, both those teams, unless there's an injury with the Colts. Um, and then another one would be the Colts, or not the Colts, uh, the Steelers and the Bills. Um, this one is in Buffalo. Yeah, they're playing in or Orchard Park. Um, I'm high on Buffalo this season. I have them going to the Super Bowl. I, I have Josh Allen as, I guess he's not a sleeper anymore uh, for MVP. He has a lot of, uh, like the most dollars are being from betters at least, are betting on Josh Allen more than Aaron Rodgers, more than Tom Brady, and more than Patrick Mahomes. So a lot of people are all in on Josh Allen and the Bills this year. And then I think also Matt Stafford. I've talked about Matthew Stafford a lot, but he seems to be getting a lot of play and a lot of action in Vegas. A lot of people are betting on him. And I guess the Rams, too. People are picking the Rams to to win the Super Bowl this season. Um, They think it's going to be a big difference for – the Rams with Jared Goff instead of uh, Matthew Stafford, which I believe too. And, you know, even Sean McVay has said, um, you know, that they're going to air it out. You know, he hasn't had a, a quarterback of his caliber before. They have good relationship already. 
Uh, Matthew Stafford wants to win. He hasn't won a playoff game yet, though. That's my concern. But, you know, the teams he was around, you know, he had good receivers here and there. Um, you know, he had a great receiver in Calvin Johnson. Never had a really good defense. Uh, never had a, a great running back. He had Adrian Peterson 15 years too late. However old Adrian Peterson is now, 40 years old. Whatever, had him too late. Um, you know, hadn't had a, a thousand yard rusher since uh, I forget even who it was. It was, it was been years. It's been like eight years, I think, since they had a thousand yard rusher. Um, and and Sean McVay will be able to open it up a lot uh, for Matthew Stafford. But they open up on Sunday, Sunday Night Football. Uh, they're playing the Bears in L.A. Uh, that'll be that'll be a, a better matchup if Justin Fields was playing. I'd be more interested. But if it's Andy Dalton, I guess I don't really care, and I expect the Rams to win uh, by a lot. And then Monday night is the Ravens and the Raiders. I don't expect much from the Raiders this year. They've been kind of stagnant the last couple of years. Uh, but I guess we'll see if uh, John Gruden has some different ideas, you know, open up the offense. You know, Derek Carr has been really good for them. Hasn't gotten a lot of recognition, um, so he's not the problem. You know, I think the defense is the issue. Um, you know, they have good skill position players brought in Kenyon Drake, so I expect some extra packages with Kenyon Drake and uh, Josh Jacobs. Um, so yeah, maybe uh, maybe nine nine wins for them, which isn't you know which isn't great. You know, you'd be nine and eight. You can't finish at five hundred anymore. Uh, another good matchup, I think is interesting is the Packers and the Saints. This is uh, Sunday at 125 Pacific. Uh, the Saints, I think they're going to be a lot better than people expect this season with Jameis Winston at the helm. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Uh, you know, even with all their drama, you know, that's still a, a, that's still a championship game roster that they have there. That's That team can get you that far. Uh, we don't know yet if they get get to the Super Bowl yet. We haven't seen it. Uh, but as far as the Saints go, I think um, Alvin Kamara is going to have a heavy workload, you know, early on. But expect to see some, you know, was it Callaway and then Traquan Smith. You know, a lot of, you know, lesser known wide receivers in New Orleans. They're going to get a lot of targets they're gonna have big games you know they're gonna have 55 yard receptions for touchdowns you know just big plays like that because you know they're gonna air it out with Jameis you know he can say all you want about him about Jameis Winston but he can air it out you know he can play the quarterback position you know he just has to make smart plays don't force it and you know limit your uh, your turnovers don't don't throw for 30 30 interceptions and you know I expect the Packers to be good this year as well Another good matchup would be the Browns and the Chiefs. This is the Kareem Hunt revenge game, right? Uh, but you know the Browns—they're—they're they're a lot better than everyone than I expected in the last couple of years. You know, this is a team. I think they're a dark horse for the Super Bowl. You know, because you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's a great duo in the backfield. And then Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski has them making smart plays. Doesn't want to rely on him too much because all you need is a run game and your defense to hold up, and you can win with Baker Mayfield easily. You know, I'm not sure if he can lead you if, you know, they take the running game away from you, if you can have Baker Mayfield throw 55 times and, you know, throw 500 yards. I don't know if they can do that, if they could win that way, and they don't, they don't think they can win that way either, I don't think, based on 
the the playbook and the plays that they they run there in Cleveland. Um, in Kansas City, you know, they're I'm going with the Bills to go to the Super Bowl just because I want something different. But you know, uh, Kansas City is a favorite as long as Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid are there, and and uh, and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, then they're always going to be expected to go to the Super Bowl and win, obviously. Uh, but this is a good test for the Browns, see where they're at, see if they've taken those next steps that they need to to be able to be actual uh, Super Bowl contenders. Because, you know, if they come out and they blow out the Chiefs, you know, everyone's going to be talking about the Browns and, you know, how they're they're an automatic contender because of that. But if they get stomped, you know, 45-0 or something by the Chiefs, then, you know, they're like, all right, you know, they're not as good as we thought or that we would hope. Um, so we'll see on, on Sunday and then Broncos giants, that one's going to suck. Uh, Vikings, Bengals, not interested in watching that Eagles, Falcons, uh, probably not interested in that chargers, Washington football team. I'd flip onto that for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes easily. Uh, I want to see where Justin Herbert's at, um, you know, see if he, has improved from last season. You know, I think this hasn't really been talked about a lot, but I think uh, he benefited a lot from having empty stadiums because, you know, I heard an interview. um, I think this was on ESPN. I read about it that uh, he could hear his coaches, you know, coaching him through a play or, or, you know, right before he snaps the ball, he could hear the coach, you know, calling out a certain play or telling him what to do in a certain situation, which helps, obviously, you know, for a rookie being thrown into the position. Um, and then now, this year, it's going to be really loud. He's not going to be able to hear everything. People might get to him. Obviously not in, I don't know if they play in Washington. Obviously not in Washington, but, you know, when you get into those divisional games against the Raiders, you know, Chiefs and stuff like that, you know, it's probably going to be a lot louder and, and tougher for him to um, – to be able to hear his coach. I'm sure he didn't completely rely on that, but I, I do think that was a factor and that did help uh, his progression last season. I'm interested in seeing uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, with the Washington football team. They, they're they going to have a great defense. You know you know that. Um, they got some some bright spots on, on offense. Curtis Samuel, uh, they brought him in from Carolina. Uh, but now Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy. He's your bridge quarterback, whatever you want to call it. But this season... He's a guy, um, so I'm excited to see what he can do with uh, with a good defense and a good coach. Um, you know, he, he might even win a division for you, so so we'll see. I'm excited for that. Uh, the 49ers have named uh, starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, which is what I, I said uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Jimmy G's going to be the starter, and then if there's an injury or anything, if he goes down for a few weeks, then Trey Lance comes in. And probably takes over, depending on how he looks. You know, if he looks really good, then that's it. It's done for Jimmy. Um, and the 49ers coaches, you know, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, they know that. And, you know, Jimmy G knows that too. You know, uh, I just think Trey Lance is obviously probably not ready right now. You know, they say he looks good in practice and, um, you know, he's coming along strong. But, um, you know, you got to balance it out. This is a Super Bowl team. You know, they, they, they've been to the Super Bowl before with this roster healthy, and, you know, now they're back fully healthy. So they have um, they have a goal in mind for this season. That's to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, you can't, you can't throw a rookie quarterback into that situation, um, you know, because if it goes 
if it's bad, then you know that can affect the rest of his career. Um, so yeah, those are those are the games I'm looking forward to. Not super exciting, but you know, football's back. We have college football in into its third week, I guess, or week two since they say week zero. I don't know. Uh, but fall sports are back. Baseball's winding down. Uh, the Giants just won their 90th game of the season, first team to 90 wins this year. The Dodgers are right behind them, a game and a half back uh, for that division. And the Dodgers are 14 and a half games up on um, the next team for that first wild card spot. Uh, you have the Padres there, number two, tied with the Reds. And the AL, the, the Tampa Bay Rays are the same record as the Dodgers, 88 games. Uh, the, the Rays look really good uh, in the AL. And then I think it's the... Um, you know, the A's are out of the, the wild card spot right now. Uh, but the Blue Jays are, are making a push for the uh, push for the wild card spot. The second wild card spot, they're just outside of it right now. They're a couple games back from the Red Sox. And the Yankees are up a half game uh, for their first wild card spot. And then you have uh, the Astros and, and the White Sox there. Uh, but it's going to be exciting postseason. Um, you know, the Giants are, are finally clicking again. You know, they hit some a rough spot there against the Dodgers. Uh, they do well, not against the Dodgers against the Brewers. They were struggling and then against the, the Braves too. But then this, this past weekend, there was a big matchup against, uh, the Dodgers and the Giants. They were tied. And then the first game, you know, uh, the Giants won. And then the next one went, uh, went deep and, uh, you know, they ended up winning the series two one, uh, just some some freak plays by the Giants to win and some, some errors on the Dodgers. And, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Monday we heard the, the sad passing of Michael K. Williams, um, also known as uh, Omar from The Wire. Uh, he was in Boardwalk Empire. Uh, he was in The Night Of. Um, that was a really good show. And then he was also in uh, Lovecraft Country most recently and was nominated for an Emmy um, in Lovecraft Country. Can can you believe that that's the only thing he's been nominated for? He wasn't nominated for playing Omar or, um, you know, he didn't even win for that. I was just, I was surprised because that, that character alone was, that's one of the most iconic characters in TV history. Uh, but Michael K. Williams, uh, pass on monday uh, it was suspected heroin overdose um he was supposed to be in an event and uh some i think it was his friend hadn't heard from him for a couple days so they went to his house and and then they found him there um and then they went to his room and they found um there was some heroin on the on the counter but he had been open about his demons and his uh his struggles with addiction in his past um you know he had an interview with npr in 2008 where he was talking about um you know when he was on the wire and he was playing omar this was like season three he was using a lot of cocaine and kind of struggling there and you know he he was broken you know he was just struggling hard and then went to a church and this this pastor who was um he used to be a, a prison guard and then was in prison and then he became a pastor. Um, he just helped him through it and, you know, got him back on the right track. Um, but he had been really open with his, uh, with his struggles and his demons and, um, his, his acting though was just, I felt like it was so powerful. He was such a great actor and anything he was in, 
you know, he he knew that it was going to be good when he was in it. You know, when he was in, um, you know, The Wire, everyone, he, I think he was everyone's favorite character. You know, my other favorite character was Snoop, though, uh, too. But Omar's character for a lot of, uh, a lot of minorities, you know, he, his character was like just feared by everyone. You know, he was robbing drug dealers and stuff, robbing stash houses, but he was also openly gay, which you didn't see that. You didn't see a lot of that on TV, especially at that time, early 2000s. And, um, you know, he has scenes where he's he's playing with, he's messing with guns and he's going to go rob someone, starts killing people. And then he goes back to his house and he kisses his boyfriend. You know, that that part of that character made it interesting because, you know, the whole black masculinity thing, you got to be a tough guy, that whole stigma and, you know, him being gay kind of, opened the doors for a whole new generation, I think, of um, of black men and other minority men who may have struggled with their sexuality at some point. And, you know, you, you watch TV and you see uh, the black character um, having to – the black male character, I should say, having to be aggressive and, and tough and, you know, strong and stuff. Um, but then you're, you're seeing Omar Little – that character was vulnerable in certain situations and super sensitive and um, just kind of uh, trying to figure out figure out his way in the world, you know. And um, I think that that character is so iconic because of that, you know. There was that generation of um, of uh, minorities, you know. You got to be the toughest and the strongest, and you can't be. Um, you know, can't be gay or whatever. It's not as accepting, you know, but now, you know, it's, it's viewed differently, uh, you know, honestly. And, and the whole part of, of, um, the black or brown, uh, gay community, they have a difficult time of coming out to their families because, you know, in certain cultures, you just, it's, it's not accepted and, and you can't be as open about it, you know? So, um, that's why I think think that character is, is so iconic, and the way Michael K. Williams played it was was just fantastic. And he should have won um, an Emmy for that. Um, he was also in the Night of with uh, with Riz Ahmed. You know, he plays Freddie. Um, you know, he Riz Ahmed meets him when he's in prison, and you know, he's kind of trying to show him the ropes and stuff. Um, and uh, Freddie's the character Freddie. He like runs a whole block and. You know, he kind of guides uh, Riz Ahmed to, to how to survive in, in prison stuff. And that was uh, that was just a miniseries, but that was really good. Um, but yeah, we lost a, a great artist and a great actor on Monday. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I would my mom was always watching HBO and watching all the good stuff. So I would go in there, um, like before I'd go to bed, she'd be watching like The Wire or The Sopranos or something. So I'd go and watch, um, watch The Wire and... and um, yeah, so I remember that a lot, um, and he was, yeah, he was always on, on TV, always in, he was a great character actor, and he was actually discovered by Tupac, um, you know, because at first, he was a backup dancer, you know, or a background dancer, he was in music videos and stuff, and then Tupac encouraged him to start acting, you know, get into more movie roles and stuff, and then he just started acting, and then um, got the call about uh, about the wire had no agent or anything the casting director had reached out to him after he hadn't acted 
he wasn't in anything for like two years. You know, he was helping his mom at uh, at her local daycare in uh, in Brooklyn, and yeah, then he then he got the part on the wire, and then his career took off after that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, tough uh, tough news there. And then on Saturday, Saturday is going to be the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven. Um, I it feels crazy that it's been that long. And then now everything that that just went on in Afghanistan of pulling out and you know um, everything that happened at the the Kabul airport, um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's um, it's tough to uh, to watch the news a lot because then you, I mean you see everyone's like, oh, let's um, you know it's twentieth anniversary of nine eleven. Oh, but here's what's going on at the Kabul airport again. Um, you know, in Afghanistan. So now it feels like, okay, well, we just went out there 20 years ago, and then now we left, we pulled out, and now this is the same thing that's happening. It's like, you know, Taliban's taking over, people are getting killed, you know, they're doing door-to-door executions. It's like, okay, so what what really did we accomplish while we were over there for 20 years, you know? But 20 years, um, yeah, I was in third grade, you know, I was in elementary school, obviously, and uh, we were in class, actually. It was the morning still. We had just eaten breakfast, and um, then our principal, Mr. Connell, got on the on the microphone, on, like, the overhead thing, and said, oh, just want to let st- students and staff know that there's been um, an incident. You know, a, a plane just flew into the Twin Towers. And so we're going to let everyone out of class and um, have your parents pick you up. Um, and his voice was really shaky. You know, it's, I, and I was really young. I was seven or eight in third grade. So I didn't fully comprehend what was going on. And then um, my parents picked me up. I think it was my dad that picked me up. And then I went home and it was all over the radio and then I went to my mom's room, and she was standing like a foot away or two feet away from the TV, standing up and with the remote in her hand, and just completely shocked what was happening. And then I, it was like on CNN or something, and the plane, they just kept showing it over and over again. Uh, the plane going right through the buildings, and you know the fire, and all these people running around, and I was just like, what is happening? I was kind of freaking out, and that's like when I had my first anxiety attack like I just I had no idea how to comprehend that or how to process what that meant for us or what that meant for you know the country or whatever like I I just had no idea and I just I remember trying to find a tv where I can change it because I was just like showed the innocence of myself like at that age I was flipping through every channel and every channel had the same thing you know the twin towers going down and Finally, I got to I got to Nickelodeon, and it was the Wild Thornberries. So I went into the living room, and I just sat there and I watched uh, the Wild Thornberries because I I I was like, well, I, you know, I I don't know. It just seemed like a lot, you know, to process. And then I just started watching a lot of news after that. Then my mom was talking to me about it, kind of explaining more. And then when we went to school. That's all we were talking about was was the uh, the attack, and 
yeah, it completely shaped an entire generation because after that, then, you know, going to Afghanistan, going to Iraq, all these, all these different missions that, that troops are going to. And then it's this 20 year war that, you know, now I'm, I'm 27 turned 28 and now it, it barely ended. We barely, uh, we took all the presents out, all the, the troops that were over there, we brought, took them out of Afghanistan and now. The war is apparently over. I'm not sure. But on a lighter note, um, Blue's Clues for fans of Blue's Clues. Uh, Steve made an appearance. You know, He, he uh, shared this video with Nick Jr. He had the whole Blue's Clues background and then addressed why he left early in the show when, when I was a kid and people my age, we were all watching his kids. He said he went off to college, and he shared this very emotional video for for people my generation. Said that he never forgot about us, and you know he's so proud of us, what we're doing now with our careers, and some of us with families and stuff. It made me a little emotional because when I was a kid, that was like that was my shit. I all I watched was I watched a lot of Blues Clues, and and um, yeah, that was just like a, a show for my childhood. And then when he was gone, I just I gave up on the show. I stopped watching the show because they brought in this other guy, Joe. And you know what? Fuck Joe. It's all about Steve. Steve's the original guy. Uh, but Blue's Clues is celebrating the 25th anniversary uh, this month. So um, now they have like different versions of it. I think they're on like their third host. But yeah, he had he had just like disappeared for, oh, I guess for us, it seemed like he just disappeared. But I guess he went off to college and then was trying to, he was like composing music and stuff. And now he's like in his 40s, but um, yeah, I thought that was a really cool video, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're still friends, you know, I never forgot about you guys, and um, yeah, I just thought, very cool video, you know, finally explains why he left, gives me some closure in a sense, because um, yeah, that um, that show got ruined after that, in my opinion, and then same with like, what was that show, Zoe 101, with, uh, with Jamie Lynn Spears? She got pregnant, and then it was like she had to leave the show. That ruined that show for me, you know, when I was a kid. So um, I'm glad people are addressing why they ruined kids' shows. But, uh, but yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me for this episode. We'll be back next week to recap uh, week one of the NFL season and whatever other news comes up between now and then. So, yep, thanks, and enjoy the weekend.